0: Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet.
1: I couldn't be happier because we are covering... The, the warthog. warthog. Oh, yeah. In unison, we're like,
0: what can they teach us?
1: They had did the mirror self-recognition test, which of course elephants pass, and mar- some marine mammals, and uh, parrots, some parrots, and things like that. Uh, and the pig.
0: Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. dot com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is
1: Chris. And I'm Angie.
0: And a healthier Angie, right?
1: Yes, definitely healthier. Um, and I couldn't be happier because we are covering
0: the, the warthog. warthog. Oh, yes. We're in
1: unison. We're like, I know, we're like I know. Soul sister and brother over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited. I have been wanting to do a species of pig for a long time. So. Right. You I... Have. And because I had been a little bit under the weather recently, I was able to do a lot of research and reading up a lot about pigs. So it's going to be a fun pod for sure.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so we, last week we released meerkats because poor Angie was was not feeling well at all. But, you know, so now we're releasing their good friend, the warthog, mm-hmm. because we talk a lot about in the meerkats. The Lion King. Mm-hmm. So here we have Pumbaa. The
1: Circle of Life. <laughs> I think that's probably off key there with my, uh.
0: No, it's, but... it's fine. You sing way better than I do. <laughs> I but... don't
1: know. I, I, it's been, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen the new movie yet. So.
0: Oh, really? I know. It came out like months ago. Like in the, I in know. the Meerkats, we're talking I've... about like, it just came out last week, but now it's been months. You got to watch know. it with your kids. It's cute.
1: I know. I know. we watched the old one. I just haven't seen the new one.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, it needs
1: to come on Netflix or some available source. It probably, I don't think it is yet. So,
0: well, everybody's favorite warthog Pumbaa in the last one was voiced over by Seth Rogen. And so my good friend Mike Bona from the LA zoo, who I just saw last week, he's like, you need to tag Seth and all your stuff. So. Okay.
1: Hi, Seth. This week,
0: we're going to try and see if we can get Seth Rogen to listen and learn more about warthogs. So... Now I've
1: seen a lot of his movies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I yes. But I'll have to, yes, I'll definitely have to add the, the new Lion King. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah.
0: He's great in that. He's great in that. So these are just, they're endearing. You know, the meerkats are endearing. These are endearing.
1: Well, and I'll tell you another reason why they're endearing besides, and we'll, we'll get to their descriptions because, uh, they, everybody knows what they look like, but their external physiology with their warts that aren't really mm. warts and things like mm. that is just so cool. And they're tusk but they are near and dear to my heart because I, I love the family of pigs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with domestic pigs and they're just so cool. And I, uh, also, have been blessed enough to see warthogs every time I've been in Africa.
0: Yes, that's yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. One of and of yes. And the first, okay. uh, the first time I saw them with my best friend Nani and her husband Bob in uh, Lower uh, Zambia, and mm-hmm. then the second time with John when we were on our little hut uh, provided for us by our dear friend Allison, we were in um, Northern Zambia. And mm-hmm. that was really special because him and I were just having our coffee and sitting mm-hmm. on our little hut porch and it was a mom with her, her juveniles.
0: Oh gosh. Like five so or cute. six
1: of them. So just yeah. like, just like, you, know, you the dream come true.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And,
1: and then recently, uh, when I was in Africa, uh, this past fall, I saw, I think it was two, two or three subadult females. So mm-hmm. they weren't fully grown, but they didn't, um, I, I, there wasn't a male with them, which we'll right. talk more about that. Males are typically solitary. So there are species like for me, I, I, as much as I say that I want to see the leopard and yada, blah, blah and that will never happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to like, give up. But yeah. the warhog is, uh, they are a good one that if you are typically in a wildlife park, mm-hmm. uh, they should be around because today we're talking about a species that the numbers are good.
0: Yeah, they're okay. They're doing they're okay. okay. They're, doing they're okay. They're least concerned yeah.
1: by the IUCN. Mm. And that. And we'll talk about as we move through the podcast, that doesn't mean they're out of the woods for sure mm-hmm. um, by any stretch of the ma- our imaginations. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about conflict with farmers and things like that. But overall, there's not like some of their cousins that are critically endangered right. uh, at the zoo you worked with. Um,
0: mm-hmm. The Visayan warty pig was really cool there at the, at the zoo. Right.
1: Right. Well, because you would have, you had some of your, um, your wildlife cameras being right. able to watch their behaviors and a lot of your yeah, students behavior. watching yep. behaviors at the Santa Fe Zoo. The Visayan warty pigs, they're critically endangered and, um, they're endemic to like the Philippines area. And so a lot of mm-hmm. the accredited mm-hmm. zoos are doing, uh, breeding programs to try to increase their numbers. So, which is great. The Santa, the Santa Fe Zoo does that. It's super awesome.
0: They do. They do. And there is, it's going to be interesting when we get into the pig family. You're some, some surprising statistics oh, on that. Yeah, cool. So like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're really cool. They're really cool. And I just want to say thank you to Caleb this week who joined us on Patreon from Tennessee. So he sent us a really nice message and, and, uh, how he wants to do more for conservation. So that just, Again, you know, with Patreon, we're giving back to wildlife organizations uh, every month. This is unique, I think, in all podcasts that you know we should give back to the people that are out that are fighting for them in the wild. You know, we're spreading the wealth again. Just you know, if you go to Starbucks or any other coffee house, you know, what you pay, you can donate that to us, and we give portions of that to wildlife, and you're supporting free education. Absolutely, you know, we have what what 200 hours of free. Audio on all these creatures and amazing. It ain't interviews. free,
1: buddy. I'm, uh, I, paying, I, 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 <laughs> I keep pushing, I us. keep pushing those credit cards off. No, I
0: know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know.
1: I love it. Are you, what, what, what else am I going to do? Just keep watching Grey's Anatomy every night? All night? I know. Like, no, that's no. I love doing my research, but yes, it is, um, obviously it's a passion project for Chris and I, uh,
0: mm-hmm. for
1: the most part, but, and of course, if you can't pay, that's why Chris and I do free education. We totally mm-hmm. get it. Um, we're there as well with y'all. Uh, oh, did I just say uh, y'all? Yeah, you've been living in Florida for a while. Nope, 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 nope. (laughs) Nope. You
0: little Michigan girl is Uh, now a Florida girl.
1: (laughs) If you, let me try that again. Of course, what the other way that you can help if you can't give a dollar or five or whatever is to uh, subscribe, rate and review. For instance, I want to give a huge shout out to TMI Trek who recently gave us a raving review on iTunes and I thank you. Uh, the review is basically stating that our podcast has helped them want to apply and get accepted into a fish and wildlife conservation program.
0: I know. I know.
1: TMI Trek, thank you. That's what keeps us going. That's why we don't, we don't need no money. I mean, well, you
0: well we do. <laughs> speak for yourself.
1: <laughs> it's like, no, Chris, we- we're like good cop, bad cop. I know, okay. I know, uh, I know. No, yeah. no. Um, but no, that, no, that's really honestly all yeah. I need is, uh, we just need more, more wildlife war- warriors out there. And mm-hmm. the other thing too is uh, if you haven't followed us on Instagram and Facebook, I highly recommend you do that because Chris is so great with all that stuff. But on Facebook, we actually have our own group. Mm-hmm. And recently there's been a lot of extra conversations in there just about what's happening with wildlife uh, stories that Chris and I don't have time to cover, of course. And then even uh recently.
0: I know Angie, I just read that it's from Chantel and, and she's down from Australia. So, you know, she's looking at ways to reduce her impact on the environment and it's just Karen and some others have chimed in and, and talking about that. So that's just, that's what the group's about. It's about sharing and well, learning. It's,
1: it's even funnier. You know, groups are good because I'm obviously in all creatures pod and a couple other ones of interest that I have, but there's a commercial now for it. There's a Facebook group commercial. I saw oh, yeah? on TV. That's like, yeah. if you really like, uh, I, what was it? It was funny. It was, yeah. oh, it was about rocks. But it was, like, mm-hmm. you could, like, rock stars or collecting rocks or it was, like, all these different, like, groups that had to do with rocks. And I was thinking, like, this commercial will be way cooler if it was about wildlife. But, you know, probably wouldn't, you know. So anyways, but, yes, <laughs> Facebook groups are a thing. And so please join us on ours if you haven't already. Um I think you'll definitely appreciate it.
0: Yeah, or you can just, you know, share this episode, share one of your favorite episodes. Like, again, my friend Mike Bona from the LA Zoo just shared our electric eels. He didn't know that they're knife fish. So that is funny. Wow. That's my animal Stump, expert.
1: Stump the expert. Yeah. I well, yeah, <laughs> the giraffe expert, but yeah.
0: But still, hey. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. When animal you, expert. You, yeah, animal expert, uh, Mike Bona, LA Zoo. All right, so let's talk about warthogs. And, and stay tuned because Pumba Doesn't mean warthog. It actually has a very complex meaning. So we'll get to that, you know. So shout out to Seth Rogen again and The Lion King. But God, it's just that movie. They do such a good job with the warthog and meerkat. It's just so great. So you said these large flat heads have these warts on them, but they're not warts.
1: I I think obviously if you're driving, don't do it. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people drive Mm -hmm. or if you're Mm -hmm. in the middle of a work situation, but mm-hmm. Google image, a picture of a warthog, because I guarantee that you, you need, you need that in your life. Yeah. Cause we're going to describe <laughs> it and we're not going to make them sound as cool or as unique as, or charming in my opinion, as mm-hmm. they are.
0: Mm-hmm. No, they're, 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 oh, they're just amazing looking. And
1: quite frankly, because while I have seen them in um, in the wild three times, mm-hmm. uh, it's from a distance. And especially back in the day, we didn't have good cameras. And this time, of course, this last time I went to Africa, when there are nice cameras, I didn't bring one. So the close-up picture of a warthog, I had never been privy to. Mm-hmm. So in preparing for this pod this past week and watching a lot of videos, but then, of course, zooming in on some very high-caliber Amazing wildlife, photo, you know, photograph experts, photography, I guess, photography experts. They are incredible. And now I know why they're called warthogs.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. No, they're. I've never worked they,
1: with warthogs, so uh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely my disclosure there. And, and they're I, not at
0: every zoo. I saw them at the oh, World no. Park. No, but they're not at every zoo. Yeah.
1: Definitely not. No. Uh, when, at Lincoln Park, we had Red River hogs. Mm hmm. Um, a cousin but still right. not not warhogs.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so you're saying the the warts they're not actually warts where it gets its name, warthog, but they're made of bone and cartilage. Mm-hmm. And I, the males actually have two pairs of these and the females only have one.
1: Sure. And yeah. that's and I think it's just the males that I can't get over the males suborbital, so below mm-hmm. the eye. Mhm. Is they're really, really striking in it. I mean, obviously it depends on the age of the male and things like that, but they, I mean, how many inches are we talking?
0: They're about six inches each side. Like these things are bigger than you think. They're That's bigger than you think. I
1: yeah. didn't, first of all, I didn't, I never really put it all, put everything together mm-hmm. as far as why mm-hmm. they were named warhogs. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. as I was reading about it, I'm like, oh, okay. Cause they have, you know, some, some extra stuff. Some on their face, yeah on their face, but then, yes, when I started pulling up pictures and these warts the they're not, yeah. yeah, these things are sticking outside of their face, six inches on the males yeah. right below their eyes i it was like ding ling and ling a light a light bulb yeah. went off, um I guess, and so I just you know, and then of course, I think it's important to note right away that they're not warts, they're mm-hmm. um. That they're connective tissue that's made out of cartilage. So mm-hmm. think of like your, your earlobe or something, right? right. Car- cartilage. And then the second pair of warts, which we know are not warts. It's connective, hard connective tissue is kind of around the maxillary area or the, the upper jaw. So mm-hmm. uh, below the eye, but yet, uh, be- before the first tusk. And mm-hmm. so they just are and. <sighs> They're just incredible, and the other thing about a warthog, which I think is strikingly different than most, definitely, you know, the domestic pig that I worked with, or even um, uh, Red River hogs, which I've had the pleasure to get to know behind the scenes a lot at a couple different accredited zoos, is this flat face mm-hmm. of the warthog. <laughs> I know, big. It's, it's big. It's it it's top big. heavy. <laughs> it's yes. Their their large head makes them. A little top heavy, if you will, and it's flat. It's just very, just a very dis, distinct flat face. I, I know I'm not doing a great job describing, no.
0: it, but <laughs> I think you know people see it. And then the one, the other thing that got me surprised is I knew they had tusks. I didn't know they had two pairs of tusks, right? Bingo, bingo. So, I didn't
1: know that either. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the upper tusk can be up to eleven inches long or thirty centimeters. And then right under that, they have these lower, smaller tusks, which can be five inches or 13 centimeters. Yeah. I was like, I I just always saw them with big tusks and I just thought they were, you know, one each side, but there's two. There's, there's two. two.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that, like I said, zooming in on like some actually mm-hmm. really good wildlife photos cleared that up for me too. And I, I had no idea. Um, And I, and I don't think, yeah, I'm trying to think of a zoological institution I've been to where there's been warthogs and I don't.
0: It's rare. Yeah. San it, Diego yeah. had them and that was there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. LA zoo didn't have them and mm-hmm. yeah, but.
1: And of course they have the tusk, which they're iconic for, but I think also mm-hmm. their, um, their mane, their black mm-hmm. mane that goes down basically, you know, their spine to the middle of their back and the hair is, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a comb over. <laughs> it's yeah, not, yeah, super, it is, it is. it's not super thick. Like, um, right. The Visayan warty Hogs—they have a beautiful, you know, more right. well-developed mane, if you will, and they have, and they also have a lot more. They also have a lot more fur on them. Where a mm-hmm. warthog is, it has a light coat of fur, if you will, right. but um, I mean, which not 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 a lot because well, it lives right. in Africa, so it doesn't need right. a thick thick coat of hair.
0: Yeah. And they're pretty, I mean, pretty big, you know, they, they can get up to 60 inches long or 150 centimeters and height at the shoulder up to 85 centimeters or 33 inches. Mm -hmm. So like I said, they're, they're bigger than you think, you know, especially when you see them at the zoo, I was like, Whoa. And then females can weigh up to 165 pounds or 75 kilograms.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. When
0: then the males can weigh up to 330 pounds Wow. Yeah.
1: I don't think I've ever had the privilege of seeing a male in the wild. It <laughs> was not big. that big. That's, yeah. They're big.
0: Yeah. They're big. They're big. Now there's two types of warthogs, Andrew. You know, you, you know, this, the common warthog. Mm-hmm. And then there's this desert warthog. Okay. So the common warthogs range is pretty wide across Africa. So West Africa across, you know, again, staying out of, the Congo Basin—that's really heavy rainforest—but just on the edges of that, near the the southern Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. So they range all the way across into Kenya, uh, Somalia, Ethiopia, and that's where you find the desert warthog.
1: Okay. So the
0: common warthogs, West Africa to that range, and then south through through Tanzania, Zimbabwe, uh, to where you were in Kruger into South Africa, and then actually across over to Angola. And Botswana, mm-hmm. okay, so pretty wide range, just just kind of around that that huge Congo Basin, you know, where the mountain gorillas and everything else live. Yeah, that's not where you won't find warthogs.
1: Well, and besides the the desert warthog, um, mm-hmm. I did find that there's several subspecies.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to that. Their location, yeah. Yeah, 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 the commons, yep, several subspecies, but there are two distinct species of warthog. Right, so So the
1: desert and then the common.
0: Common, yep, Mm -hmm. yep, yep, yep. So, again, they, you know, the that's not heavy desert or really dry desert where, you know, we might see the fennec fox or some of those species. But, oh, you know, I love how you gave a shout out I know, to the facts. I know. I love them. I love them. Uh, but, you know, wooded savannas, the steppes, the the semi-deserts, that's kind of where they they like to live and survive. Now, found a very interesting paper because, you know, one of the things we always talk about is, you know, not only just the importance Science. of – <laughs> yeah, of zoos, right? We talk a lot about zoos, and and we're big supporters of of accredited zoos because of the work they do in conservation, and also because they hold a lot of emergency populations of a lot of these species. And again, we're still waiting to hear back from Australia, you know, on some of these these critically endangered species and, and how they might have survived the fire. And my hopes are the zoos down there have some of these species in reserve because I think a lot of them in the wild got wiped out. With that, looking at Africa specifically, because a lot of people say the animals just need to be in the wild, and we agree. You know, Angie and I have never been you know, shy about that. We agree, animals belong in the wild; that's where they belong. But unfortunately, there's not much wild left. It's just it's gone. It's humans have taken over <laughs> the planet, and you know, not only habitat destruction but just human presence, farming, roads. You know, development has reduced the wild, quote unquote wild to about 20, I believe it's like 22% of what it was before we hit the industrial revolution. So I found a really cool paper talking about Africa specifically. And this one was in biodiversity conservation in 2013. And the title is the size of savannah Africa, a lion's view. And this was mm-hmm. Dr. Riggio and others out of Duke University, uh, had National Geographic Society was in on this, wildlife conservation was in on this. So, uh, you know, big paper. And basically what they were, what they argue is, okay, if we look at it from a lion's view, because this is the continent's top predator. Mm-hmm. And so where lions are and surviving, they would assume, okay, there's, there's pretty much an intact ecosystem you know, in Africa. Now I'm mm-hmm. sure there's some other areas that lions may not be in, but they're just trying to say, okay, if we look across Africa where lions should be, and then we're going to compare it to where lions actually are to get an idea of habitat destruction. Okay. So, you know, you, they're looking at just these specific areas and basically the savannas is, is where they they were looking at. And, we already know that the savannas in Africa have shrunk in the last 50 years and they're, with the human population growth there, they think it's just in the next 40 years, it's just going to, it's going to have a huge impact on the, on these animals, not just lions, but everything in there. So what they found, and I have this interesting map and I'm, I'm going to try to, I'll post this on our show notes just because looking at what I'm trying to draw a correlation is where lions are, that's pretty much where you can expect warthogs to be. Right. You know, cause lions have a very similar range. And so looking at this map in West Africa, lions are barely hanging on across the, the lion strongholds really are Tanzania down where you were in Kruger and then parts of Botswana. That's where lions are, are doing.
1: I okay. saw a lot of lions. Mm-hmm. 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 It was mm-hmm. awesome. They don't, yeah. most of the time they're just laying in the road. They don't really – but I did see them move, and so that's always – a. they were walking and stalking and doing really cool things, which is super rare because the times before where I've been in Africa, they're always laying under a bush, not doing anything because that's – I mean, they're cats. Cats don't do much, so –
0: I, the best is still that night photo, that night video you got of them walking by your truck. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. We'll just share that. I don't know if you shared that yeah. or we can share or if you probably did on Instagram, but we'll share some of them yeah. on, uh, on Facebook. Yeah. No, it wasn't, inc- it was inc- it was, it was totally, I don't want to say. Uh, life changing because I feel like my family, if my family was with me, it would have been life changing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Since it was just me uh, and uh, the, the fellow uh, conference goers, it was, it was mm-hmm. cool. How about that? It was super cool. I'm all getting right. cheesy. Let's, all right, Warhawks. Sorry. Right, got, right. No, got... no,
0: but it's Africa. Mm-hmm. And you saw it. You saw one of their strongholds. So lions are doing well there. But most of the rest of the savannas in Africa, they're not. And, So what this was study was looking at, you know, what's driving habitat loss and and they have shown dramatic habitat loss for lions, which again would lead to, you know, some warthogs and other species. And it's basically growth, economic population, resources being used up, agriculture, all of it is driving habitat loss there. Mm -hmm. And right now, you know, Africa's booming. The economies are growing, which is good for the people there. But that doesn't always translate well into wildlife. So right now, the the African Development Bank Project is estimating that by the year 2030, Africa's population is going to grow to about 1.6 billion. And today, or well, six years ago, it was at about a billion. And so that's about 20% or almost 20% of the world's population. So again, stressing the resources, things like that. It, it, it's again, this is the story that we're seeing in Africa. This is a story we're seeing in South America, here in North America, you know, in Asia.
1: Course, so yeah.
0: just these studies are important because they take a snapshot and say, this is what's going on. And so when people say animals need to be in the wild, we totally agree. It's just we need to protect what wilds left. And that's again, one of the, the reasons we do this podcast now. I do want to do some good spin and give some conservation optimism. There is some good news coming. So I found another study. This one's awesome. This came out in 2016, just a couple years ago, three, uh, four years ago, net effects of ecotourism on threatened species survival.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so this came out of a uh, down in Australia. Uh, Cl- Griffith quick clip University. notes. Was it
1: good yeah. that I was in Kruger doing ecotourism? Yes. Yes, okay. yes. Yay.
0: So they, they looked across the planet and looked at where ecotourism impacts because mm-hmm. ecotourism a little bit's coming under attack from some segments that it's it needs it's to be harmful. done well,
1: and we've talked about yes. that in some of our conservation news segments.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when they looked at some species and looked at the impacts of population with ecotourism, the news is good. Okay. So in Costa Rica, the great green macaw, ecotourism has benefited population growth. Uh the the whole lot Gibbon in India it's, it's been okay. Uh the African wild dog definitely has improved. Uh cheetah in Africa has improved. Golden line tamarind in Brazil has improved. African penguin has improved, has helped. And orangutans has helped in Sumatra. The only species they documented that ecotourism had a negative impact was back down in New Zealand, the New Zealand sea lion that ecotourism actually, they had drop in pup survival because it was disrupting uh, the moms and everything there. So ecotourism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but looking at this stuff, you're like, okay, you know, the net effect is, is, is positive for most species. So we have to be careful with ecotourism on certain species, but overall it's having a, a big benefit to growth. So good. So that's, so that's a big thing you did in Kruger. People going to Africa, your dollars are helping, and they, they are helping protect those habitats and species survival. And it's showing the locals—that's the important part—that it's worth keeping them around. It's worth keeping mm-hmm. these animals because it brings in money.
1: Exactly, and if you can't go to Africa because, let's be realistic, it's not easy mm-hmm. <laughs> and not cheap, uh, you can go to your local accredited zoo where. A lot of money goes back into conservation. Not only are they keeping an arc of a lot of species, but they're also breeding a lot of critically endangered species that can often be re-released in the wild, Mm -hmm. or once again, keep those genetic strongholds going, so someday they potentially can be released in the wild. Like several amazing conservation stories that we've talked about, like the black-footed ferret and the California condor and things like this. And so, once again, since it could be hard to go see Mm Pumbaa in the wild, so looking at statistics just from the United States and our 216 accredited zoos, Mm. last year, $231 million spent Mm -hmm. in conservation projects, which included 115 reintroduction programs of species that in these reintroduction programs are species that are either threatened or endangered. And so supporting, and of course we, we highlight on this podcast um, other amazing groups that are fighting Two for these animals. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes it can be hard to navigate the weeds of which one is which or which one's Mm -hmm. that. And so just in general, just being a being a a participant at your local zoo helps.
0: Right. Your yeah, your AZA accredited institution. They are doing a ton, a ton. And we've you know, the more people we interview, you know the the zookeepers. You know, I know San Diego Zoo. The koala team went mm-hmm. off to Australia. Yes. I know one from Lincoln Park Zoo went off uh a while back in her day to go and study wildebeest. Right? How oh, <laughs> did they right. send you? To- they sent me. To- <laughs> yes,
1: wildebeest and uh, zebra. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nice. So who do you know who- at Lincoln Park Zoo? <laughs> <laughs> it's late at night here, folks. Sorry, oh, it's so.
0: Funny. But yeah, I mean they they supported you to do that, Absolutely. right? So
1: of course they send they send one know, or two zookeepers a year to go uh, right. do conservation and um, in in, a, in an area of their choice.
0: Yeah, I know. Mike Mike went to Africa and did stuff with uh, giraffes. You know, so you know each zoo institution they they support their team in, in going around the world. So again, it's just. You know, we need to keep our eyes to the ground and and and, and keep protecting these species. And ecotourism is a big piece of that. So, looking at warthogs specifically, you know, when you do go to these places, it does benefit them. It does. And you know, it, good because I want to
1: go back and bring my family. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. Although
1: I'm gonna go. I know we got to save our pennies because uh, that's uh, crazy, yeah. crazy stupid money. Expensive. Um, yeah, but in the expensive. meantime, we just keep going to our, our local accredited zoos and, uh, yeah. looking at yep. the the animals there. So
0: yeah. Well, and you know, why care about a warthog? It's, I mean, not that only face. they, I know they're so beautiful and they do, you know, they are important in in the food web, you know, up and down, but some of the things I found with them. And we talked about it in meerkats last week. So I, you know, I re-listened to it, the episode, you know, when, when we did it last year and we talked about how the mongoose, the warthogs will allow the mongoose to come around and pick parasites off them and mm-hmm. groom them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's, I think what, what and meerkats the ver- and don't do. And
1: vervet monkeys.
0: Yes. And, and yellow hornbills. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So they have a symbiotic relationship with birds. And these other species to get rid of pests, yes.
1: so red billed and yellow billed oxpeckers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and then and then the thing you know, pigs do they root around, they churn up soil, they aerate, they seed dispersal. I mean, they do all these things. Build you know, uh, take over burrows and and do different things. So they're important to the ecology, to the environment. You know, these animals learn to depend on each other, so they are a key piece, a key definitely a key piece to the Africa savannas and deserts.
1: Yes. And right now, like we said, they're least concerned by the IUCN, but they have fallen victim to some farmer conflict um, in that they can – they're smart, uh, and we'll talk more about that here shortly, but they can cause damage to various crops such as rice fields and peanut crops. And so that can cause conflict. And then cattle ranchers sometimes see – Raw hogs as competitors for their other grazing species in southern Africa. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 there's some touch and go and, 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 and some issues if they're outside of some of these national parks as far as uh, people not necessarily wanting them around. But at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about some groups that are trying to help combat some of these human uh, warthog conflicts. Conflicts, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Now, jumping into their natural history, warthogs are from the pig family or the Sude family. Mm -hmm. And this is even-toed ungulates. And hogs, boars, pigs Mm -hmm. is what they're known as. Now, Angie, this one was surprising. This is—I think this is my surprising statistic, besides some of the other stuff we've already said. There are only 19 species of pigs on Earth. That's it.
1: That number seems extremely low. Uh, Yes. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I guess obviously, no. If I had to name all the pigs, I could probably only name like four or five or six of them. So I, I I actually don't know all 19 of them. Are you gonna? Well, you know, it's.
0: yeah, so <laughs> I'm the, intrigued. The, I know it's like I was like, "What you would think?" Because they're pretty widely distributed, yeah. across Europe, Asia, Africa, and now in North America, which they've been reintroduced by humans. So this, the genus Sus is the pigs. So this is where you have your Visayan warty pig. Mm-hmm. You know your Philippine warty pig, your domestic pig. And then your wild boars. Okay. So there's a bunch of them in there. So they, there's a few species there. Then you have this little cute thing called Porcula, which is the pygmy hog. Not <laughs> so familiar. Really cute. cute. No. Giant forest hog. The Red River hog bush pig. They're a different genus.
1: Mm-hmm. And those and then are
0: in Africa. Right. Yeah. And then you get to the Barbarossa, which I'm, I'm going to talk about here in a second. We
1: need to cover that. Which, but yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Very wow, wow, and and then you get to the warthogs. So the two species of warthogs, the the desert warthog and the common warthog. So the scientific name of the common warthog is Phacoharis africanus, mm-hmm. and then the desert one is Phacochoerus. Oh gosh, it's so hard. These This one I'm I'm loving this week. A Ithiopicus. Cause I think it's like Ethiopia is yeah. is where the deserts I think are. Did good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll, we'll say we are.
1: <laughs> I'm just so, surprised that sus isn't in there. Why did I think that sus would be in their name? Because
0: that's a genus of most of the other. So you have our domestic nine, pig. Yeah. Domestic pig sus scrofa domestica. Okay. And then sus scrofa is the wild boar.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So
0: that's where they, I'm going to get to domestication here in a second, right? So the desert warthog is its own species. The common warthog has four subspecies, which Angie started with. So the Nolon warthog, mm-hmm. which is those ones in West Africa stretching across over to Ethiopia.
1: Definitely haven't seen those.
0: No. The Eritrean, which is in Ethiopia, Somalia, no. up in that area. The Central African warthog, which is Kenya and Tanzania. And yes, I think you, you definitely... Mm-hmm. The, southern mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah, the southern warthog. Yeah, definitely the southern one for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. but potentially the cent- central African yeah. warthog. And, Cause you're up
0: in, yeah, you're up in Tanzania. In Tanzania, right? Tanzania. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the southern's in Botswana, and Namibia. And South Zambia's Africans not even on here. No, it's probably southern. That's, it's probably southern. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Down there. Now pigs, you know, all members of the Sude family are referred to swine. So when you hear that, that's all of them. Now, they originated at least 20 million years ago in Eurasia. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like the wild boars, some of them. And, you know, like, again, they're pretty widespread. You have tropical island. uh, You have some pigs in the Himalayas, Siberia, you know, North Africa, South Africa, uh, Pacific Islands, you know, now in Australia, now in the Americas. And what's interesting, their common ancestor is the peccary of South America.
1: Okay. Right. Yep.
0: Right. Which so is they're not the,
1: in the nineteen species?
0: No. No. Peccaries are their own family. Okay. So that's they're in the Tayassuidae, And that's the Sids, the peccaries, or the Javelinus. Interesting. So we're gonna do that. I love this
1: podcast. <laughs> so, I'm biased, so, clearly.
0: I know, I know. But you, for so long, and this is what's so cool about, so I love this natural history. For so long, they th- grouped the pigs with hippos. Hippo, hippopotamidae. Okay, the family of hippos. They thought pigs and hippos were very closely related.
1: Well, it's probably because hippos are also even-toed ungulates. And they, right. But they have four toes.
0: Right. But, and our our good friend genetics, our favorite topic to study. Such our best friend.
1: (laughs) Love genetics. Me and genetics, we've got that BFF bracelet going on. Oh, Yeah, Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: It changes every two weeks or something. Chris, I wish
1: I would have done genetics. I'll tell you what, though. I'm looking at all these jobs, these Mm postdocs for wildlife, and they're like, "Genetics, Genetics, 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 genetics. And I'm like. Ah, ah, I can't apply, yeah. I can't
0: apply. The, there you go. If you're listening and you're really looking <laughs> yeah, to get into conservation, study learn, genetics. If
1: you learn anything from us, go yes. molecular. Or, yes, I you know. Uh, yes. No, obviously, it's that's not things, always, but... there's other things, but no, the molecular, it, it really is important. It's important, right. obviously, for these lineages, Um mm-hmm. but- It's just uh, even from like the biomedical point of view and things like that. Yeah, it is
0: very important, mm -hmm. especially for conservation. But so through genetics, they have discovered that, no, they're not that closely related to hippos. They're more closely related to cetaceans, whales.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love it. This is why I, I know love this podcast I know. yes awesome <laughs> pigs,
0: and <whales. laughs>
1: pigs and whales pigs and whales pigs yeah. and whales pigs and whales pigs and whales right yeah that's super cool I will have to tell my uh the class that I'm teaching about this because they right. kind of give me the stink eye when I'm like oh yeah one of the reasons I love dolphins and I love horses mm-hmm. is because they're related and they just yeah they're, how? They're like they, uh, what yeah it doesn't make yeah, any they don't sense get it. so tell us. no
0: they don't get it yeah. So they are. So yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to keep going with <laughs> war dog history.
1: Teach my class for me. I'm kind of like, I don't have any. I like say these bold statements that like I've learned yeah. from you and then I have, I don't like have anything to back it up. I'm like, well, back it mean, up. Uh, 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 listen to the podcast or Google it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, you can look at the genetic line and they they similar genes. So they have closely related genes and, I mean, I've done, I've dabbled in genetics, done some genetic studies, not looking at lineages, but you know, they, like one of the things I know we look at is maternal DNA,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which doesn't change. It, well, it does very slowly, like one change every hundred thousand years. So we've been able to trace human lineages back to East Africa. With these animals, I think they're looking at similar genetic profiles. Mm-hmm. And so pigs have a closer genetic profile with whales than they do with hippos.
1: That's incredible. So they're saying, that's incredible. So then
0: they, and then people that are smarter than this than us that study this, you know, they'll go back and look at the maps and then they'll, they'll look and put the puzzle pieces together, which we know in this podcast, it changes all the time. Of course. Like, you know, we say, "Oh, this." You know, they just found this new eel. We covered electric eels two weeks ago. They found this new species Eight just foot. late last year. Yeah, late last year, and yeah. genetics confirms it's a different species. Right, right. So, that's the big picture. I did want to bring up the Barbarossa because it is a favorite at zoos. I've seen it yes. quite a few, definitely, yes. quite a bit, absolutely,
1: mm-hmm. and the peccary too. But that's not. Yeah, really the peccary's weird. super cute.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are island dwelling in the tropics. Mm-hmm. They are an ancient relic. They really think because it is distinct anatomically these they have the huge tusks and they think it's like if you want to see what an old pig looked like mm-hmm. way back in the day. Okay. This is what you should look at. I also found this is what's really cool. The oldest known cave painting in the world dates back about 35,000 years ago in France. In Indonesia, okay. The, there's those ones in France, but they're not quite as old. And it's of a Barbarossa, mm-hmm. thirty-five thousand really? years. Really? So it's really cool. Yeah, it's really that's cool. That's really super. Cool. Oh wow, so, that's
1: super old and yeah, fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah. So warthogs emerged roughly two million years ago, one and a half two million years ago. The two species. So they've been around quite a while. They've been around quite a while. Now, I just really quickly, humans and pigs, you know. Hold on, really still-
1: quick, quick time out.
0: Yeah. yeah, I just
1: want to give you a silent sitting ovation. That was one of my favorite evolution <laughs> segments. What was it recent? <laughs> pigs. I mean, okay. this month. How about that? We'll throw that out. There. Okay. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah okay. no, that was awesome, Chris. Uh,
0: Pigs are, they're fascinating. Aren't they Fun. See,
1: you're you're welcome. You're welcome. I know.
0: I know. You and your (laughs) ungulates. You and your ungulates. So what I love, and and I know is one of the things I researched when I wrote my horse book a couple years ago, was like the history of domestication. Sure. Because I find it fascinating. Mm -hmm. And they think, you know, because Kazakhstan, Ukraine, that's when somebody first jumped on the back of a horse, they think. With pigs, again, big debate and it's about 9,000 years ago okay. is when we first domesticated pigs. But they think kind of similar to, you know, horses and donkeys. They were almost simultaneously domesticated. Donkeys in Africa, uh, horses in Asia, where pigs were domesticated, they think, in Europe and then Asia and China around the same time, about 9,000 years ago. So there's a big debate on that. And they think that they were probably introduced by humans in the tropics, not the Barbarossa, but some of these wild boars they Mm -hmm. find on some of these islands. And then also in the Americas, it was introduced Mm -hmm. when explorers came over Australia, Mm -hmm. it was introduced and New Zealand. And the interesting thing about New Zealand is it wasn't the Europeans, even though they introduced all sorts of trouble to New Zealand in the 1800s, but by the Maori, when they came over and discovered New Zealand in like the 1500s, they brought ah, some pigs with them. Yeah. Yeah. So humans bring in stuff that they shouldn't, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> but luckily they didn't bring this thing, the largest pig ever or swine like species ever. <laughs> this thing, you will never guess the name of this thing. Okay. It's scientific name is Entelodont, but they call it the hell pig or the terminator pig.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> you, I'm intrigued.
0: <laughs> this, this thing died out, they think about 16 million years ago. But <laughs> it's like, I love this. But I find these like, sometimes, you know, when I find these huge mammals or animals that lived once, I just die. I'm like, oh my God, I would love to see Somebody this. Somebody out this, there this. listening,
1: Seth Rogren, if you're listening, mm-hmm. you need to make a movie. Like, you know, that like, honey, I shrunk yeah. the kids, like from way right. back in the 80s or 90s. Mm-hmm. And then we have Jurassic Park, all about the dinosaurs. Somebody Mm -hmm. needs to do one with the giant mammals that used to live.
0: Oh, and not just a mammoth. I mean, some of these.
1: No, no, not the mammoth. Mammals. No, like the giant. Like just all of the like the other ones. Yeah, Chris did the research for you. Just listen to every pod, and he (laughs) told he told you who the giant is and how big it is. So just take your money with your you know your movie cinema friends and like make that happen. And so we can see like what it would have been like if we were walking like, around 16 million years ago.
0: Oh, it would have been scary. Cause what does, thing... okay. So anyways, I jumped, okay. I,
1: I jumped ahead a little bit. What no, does no, hell of a Terminator okay. look like? <laughs> so it lived
0: in the forests and plains of North America, Europe and Asia. Of course it did. Yep. Yeah. And it stood almost seven feet tall at the shoulder. Holy. Weigh... That's like, oh. <laughs> And weighed almost it's like two thousand pounds. Horse. It's, it's
1: a draft horse. <laughs> a, a draft pig.
0: Yes, seven yeah, two point one meters at the shoulder and nine hundred kilograms or two thousand pounds. This <laughs> the Terminator pig. <laughs> it's like, oh. Oh. Please,
1: somebody make this movie. Uh, I don't have the skill oh. sets. I'm not good with like no. computer anime and that kind of stuff. But oh my gosh, how cool! That just oh. be so. Wow.
0: Talk about bringing back things from extinction. No, wow. thank you. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, yeah, luckily our little warthogs are not that big. But no, no,
1: no, definitely no. not. Yeah.
0: Now, warthogs, where you're going to see the lifespan, most people say around 11 to 12 years. There is some people that claim up to 18. Again, that's debatable, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's about right. I mean, hard life, hard life. hmm we talked about the tusks, right? So the tusks are very important to defend themselves mm-hmm. and to fight. So the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the males will fight, but they have seen many videos of warthogs either being chased by a leopard or lions. And those things are mean. Mm-hmm. They will turn around and slash and gore and whatever they can to, to live. And they also use the tusks to, to really root Turn the soil over, things like that.
1: Well, and Chris, like you mentioned with the tusk too, we're all familiar from watching Lion King or just in general of the large tusk that curves like ninety degrees. Mm -hmm. But the bottom tusk, the smaller pair that's below that, the lower pair, they're obviously they're much. The reason you and I didn't really know about them is because they're a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. But they become razor sharp. By rubbing against the upper pair every time the mouth is opened and closed. Oh
0: yeah. Okay. So it's like
1: its own okay. natural little file. So
0: Yeah.
1: There, you know Yeah, you don't
0: want to mess with them. You don't mm, want to mess with them.
1: No no, no. 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 No, no. In general. I one of the my main scars in my lifetime is from um jumping over a fence because I uh, upset a mama pig, a domestic oh. pig. Oh. <laughs> she didn't even <laughs> have any you know, she doesn't they don't she didn't have any tasks. She's a domestic Tusk. pig. But uh, they do have teeth, um, mm-hmm. and she was, you know, with her babies, and right. she got mad at me. I forget what I did. I'm sure I did something really stupid because I was young, and I didn't. <laughs> I just dove over the. the fence. Oh my gosh! Oh god! Oh. And the pencil? No, the pencil wasn't high. I just caught. Uh, my shin caught a screw, and um. Oh and no! Out. So, Yeah, it's like, no, it wasn't like even stitch worthy or anything. I think it only, I think the only teeny tiny, it's teeny tiny scars. I'm not, I'm not a hero by the stretch of the imagination. But I think that the only reason it's scarred because it was right there on the shin and there's not a lot of like, you know, flesh or whatever. Right. But yeah, I mean, that was without any tusks. So yeah, funny. I just had a flashback. That was like a (laughs) lifetime ago, that story. Running Um, from a pig. No, no. A mama pig. Okay. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. I, yeah, I would have jumped out too. I yeah. would have ran out, yeah. and but out too.
1: The other thing about the tusks too, I think we we talked about when we covered probably walrus and walrus mm-hmm. and and also an elephant, but tusks are they protrude from the mouth, but they're made of their teeth. They're, it's called ivory, which is a problem mm-hmm. for, of course, a, a potential issue with warthogs um, mm-hmm. trying to collect them for their ivory. Although it's a much obviously a smaller piece than an elephant, things right. like that. But ivory is just a fancy term for tooth bone. I mean, it's t- right. it's, it's tooth. Uh, but because they do use their tusks a lot for rooting around, they do continuously grow.
0: Right. And sharpen them. Apparently. And they
1: get sharp. <laughs> absolutely. Yes.
0: Uh, and mamas
1: so, uh, and dad have them. Yes. Males and females yes, have them. So yes. I would have been, a, I would health. have been in a, in a bigger world of her if I was running from a mama warthog. Well,
0: uh, I know. I know. Yeah. But, they're, they're, yeah, they're defensive. They definitely are. Uh, we'll get to their behaviors in a second. Uh, some things, their eyesight's poor, but they have very good sense of smell. You know, it's like pigs root, root around. I mean, mm-hmm. they all do. Good hearing. Oh, yeah. This was surprising. Pretty quick. They can run up to 30 miles an hour. Or I 50 read that. Hour.
1: And then I'm like, I really am glad that I have not run into a mama or dead war hogs. I didn't know they could yeah. run that. I don't, domestic pigs yeah. can't run that fast. I don't think.
0: No, no. Well, they've been bred for speed and these no. have
1: evolved to survive in Africa. No. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. Like I was able to run and jump and, you know, tuck and roll. And I, it was, a, right. I must admit, I forgot the landing that I did have was pretty beautiful for my volleyball training days. Like there was a tuck and a roll mm-hmm. in there, right? Uh, but a little wound afterwards. So,
0: Right, right. Well, you know, and it's the reason they. I mean, again, surviving in Africa, so the young can be taken by eagles and jackals. Oh, yeah. So, of course, surprising. Then all of them lions, hyenas, cheetahs, leopards, and crocodile can take any of them. So you know they're they're part of the food web, and you know that's why they're they're tough. I mean, mm-hmm. they're tough. They had they have to be. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't survive if they weren't. Now. These are omnivores, but mainly live off a herbivore diet. Correct. So, yeah. And grasses, you know, they,
1: roots, berries, right. fruits, bark, fungi, insects, eggs, and carrion. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, even poop, dung, they sometimes eat. Sure. You know, it's, you know, think of domestic pigs, like they eat almost anything. Same thing with these guys.
1: What was really phenomenal for me, though, because obviously working with domestic pigs and, of course, a lot of hoofstock just in general, that when they're rooting around or grazing, that they do it on bended forelegs.
0: Yeah, on their wrists.
1: And in order to protect them while they are bending their forelegs to root around, they have these awesome like calloused pads, like built-in wrist pads, if you will, not knee pads, Mm -hmm. but wrist pads, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. to help protect them. But... They're not callous pads that they grow or that that are formed as they're older. These callus pads actually develop on the fetus.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So it's so genetic. they're born with you them. Go. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Oh well, evolved to have that. Yeah. So the behavior obviously is going to be great. Here's one of the things I learned that I just love. Okay. So in their burrows, obviously they go in there for shelter. They back in.
1: They back up that bus, baby.
0: Yes. They back in to be able to defend themselves with that large oh, snout yeah. and those tusks in the morning. When they wake up, they take off at a run out of the burrow. <laughs> so in case there's a predator nearby, they can outrun it right away. They just snap out of it right away. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> I read that. I like, so
1: I actually should take after a warthog. I. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to like get a little bit of a workout in. It doesn't, it doesn't just always
0: work. Jump. No, no. But
1: somebody told me they're like, "Girl, you need to just sleep in your workout clothes like the night before, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can like spring out of bed and I, I don't know. I guess start doing push-ups or something." <laughs> and so, aesthetics I, I've never done that. I've, I've i I think. Earlier this year, I was like, "It's a new decade. I'm gonna set my alarm mm-hmm. for five in the morning." And man, I hit snooze every. <laughs> it didn't happen, but yeah, yeah. but now that I know that warthogs do that and they look pretty good and sleek, I I might need to start doing that. Just just jump right out of bed
0: instead um, <laughs> of <So> sprint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna give, be like, "What are you doing?" You get your
1: sprints in. I do a couple laps around the house. Bring the dog All with right. me, and good to go. Um, and then just, and then just jump backwards into bed. Right. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. No, but, but no, you're totally onto something. They love their burrows. They, uh, will often get burrows that have already been dug out from other animals, such as aardvarks or porcupines. And they do use burrows for sleeping, of course, and where they raise their young. And then of course, as a, as a safety zone from predators. Right. And, they are typically diurnal, um, and so they're going they're out during the day, and they're going to usually at nighttime be in their burrows for sleeping, if you will. And just like their cousins, the domestic pig, they definitely love to roll in the mud. But this is a really important behavior, especially in Africa, because the mud can act as a bit of sunscreen. From the harsh rays, because they're out foraging during the day often. And then also from insect bites too. Uh, I think, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we forget about that a lot. So the mud really kind of just cools them off, keeps them, uh, protects them from UV rays and keeps them, uh, from getting bit by bugs as much. Because the other thing too, it's really important for pigs to cool their bodies off because, because warthogs la- lack sweat glands. So that's not a way that, you know, how humans, we sweat if we run around the house or whatever to cool ourselves down. They're unable to do that. So the other thing too, that people probably don't know about pigs in general, um, like warthogs, for instance, too, they're really good swimmers. So I don't know if yeah. I can say that about a domestic pig, uh, but a lot of the species in the, in the pig family are good swimmers, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't think mm-hmm. of them that way but they are and I also have to give my hats off to Disney for doing their homework way back in the day when they made the original Lion King and of course the more modern one because they have Pumbaa and he's hanging out mostly by himself right or at least not with other Mm -hmm. warthogs right? and so that's how it is for the most part is warthogs aren't super territorial and they will overlap each other's home ranges but in general, males are going to be by themselves, and then there's matriarchal lineages of females that stay together. So kudos to them for getting that right. So he wasn't lonely or anything like that. He he probably met up with Miss Pumbaa once a year, Mrs. Pumbaa once a year, and mm-hmm. then they went on their merry ways. So, uh, yeah, there, they, well, there's not a lot of room in that burrow. I don't think <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah,
0: not a lot of room in there. Yeah. Like
1: uh, like 330
0: pounds. Yeah. <laughs> male warthog.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like who's racing out of there early in the morning. Is it him or is it her? Yeah. Is it him? Is it her? Yeah, it's hard, exactly. hard to say, yeah. um, yeah. but do you know what a group of warthogs that are hanging out together? So it's typically the female and her lineages, uh, do you know what a group of warhogs is called? Ooh, I didn't. Um, I think
0: it's no, not a crash because mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, the best one ever. Rhinos in a crash. I know.
1: Um, yeah, a group of pigs. I don't know. You stumped me. <laughs> I'll give you a quick charades hint on the Skype.
0: A lobe, an ear, a canal. A canal? Mm. A, you pointed to your ear and your
1: canal and uh, your earlobe. I like it, your- I'm very not good at shreds. Okay. Uh, a, yeah. a sounding.
0: Oh, pff, yeah, I would have never <laughs> I know that stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A sounding? No, that's crazy. Yep. So okay. a sounding is a group of warhogs that live together and it usually okay. consists of a female and they're young. Males are going to disperse when they're about two years old and they might form a bachelor group while they're still working out there, you know, uh, they're just learning to play and things like that or stick together, but they're typically going to be solitary. And so the females will stay in these soundings except for when they're pregnant and a sounding can have up to 18 members.
0: Wow. That's big. Mm
1: -hmm. And the Groups that get along with each other, these female soundings, are going to have a lot of affiliative or friendly interactions with each other, including body rubbing and grooming and just other affiliative behaviors that we're used to seeing in, like, hooved and horned animals. And some of this body rubbing uh, might also be, like, friendly scent marking, too, because warthogs will have two facial glands, uh, one by the tusk and one by the sebaceous gland. That they can use to, males are going to mark more than females, uh, but females also have them as well. And so during a friendly encounter, warthogs are going to rub their preorbital glands together. Aww, mm-hmm. that's so nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and males, once again, are going to also mark with some of these, uh, these scent markings. And warthogs are also known to actually, uh, as, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's super, it probably it's physiological, but it turns social. So they will defecate Mm -hmm. together at communal dung sites. So I guess it's both. And, you know, (laughs) social scene. Hey mom, how you doing? And so, (laughs) Uh. but yeah, they, uh, researchers think that this ritual might serve to protect the warthogs by preventing predators from having lone, you know, Knowing mm-hmm. we're all, you know, having piles of feces right. all over the place. Wherever. So if there's right. just one giant communal one, um, and so I don't, yeah, I don't know if they're in there all together. Like, Hey, Georgia. Hey, Betsy. Oh, what it's is time to go? It's a
0: behavior. Oh, it's a behavior. It's but I know
1: there is some in horses. There is some like, if one goes, there's some pheromones. The other one will often but go and the other one will often remember- go. Remember.
0: Okay. Remember when you and I were doing the Somali wild ass behaviors Mm -hmm. and I recorded it Yeah, and I recorded, it it was the first time I ever seen this phenomenon where one defecated, Mm -hmm. walked off, another female came over, sniffed, and she defecated right on top of it. And I was like, what? Yeah. And I was just like, and I looked it up and I forgot the name of the behavior, but you're right. It's like to hide numbers. Yes. It's something they've learned. So yeah, I don't think like, they're
1: all reading their magazines together, but I think they are. No! it's probably somewhat synchronized of especially with pheromones of like, let's get this all out right now. We're right here and then we can move on and forage.
0: Well, and it's not like leaving little breadcrumbs exactly. like Exactly. Nobody or whatever, you wants a little
1: tasty turd tid, but, tidbit, turd <laughs> bit. yeah. For the lions. Like, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, you gotta, path. you gotta, you gotta keep them yeah. guessing. So, uh, yeah, crazy. I know animals are so cool. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. another, uh, well, and also too, I didn't see this behavior when I was in Africa, but if an, a warthog is alarmed, say from a predator and whether they're in a sounding in a group, or solitary what they'll do is they'll run and we know they run fast with their tails held straight up and the tassel and waving as a visual sign so mm-hmm. especially if they are with other warthogs that tail up More and that them. that the flicking of the um of the tassel on the end of it is like let's go let's go let's go and so i thought that's really interesting cuz that kind of reminds me of horse behavior a little bit when they're really hot and Freaked out, and they're if they're running, they a lot, you know, a lot of them arch their tails.
0: To, they don't yep, wag yep.
1: it per se the same way that, mm-hmm. um, these warthogs do, but yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting, inter- interesting, uh, common denominator. But as far as vocal communications, uh, pigs they grunt, they squeal, they snort, and they communicate a lot of different things. They communicate greetings, they communicate defense, they communicate. Friendliness, um, submission. So, and a, and a courtship too. So, mm. they're, you know, they're, they're a vocal animal for them, which everybody knows pigs oink. I think that's a little bit cliche, but they definitely do make different vocalizations depending on what the situation is. Um, they might even squeak sometimes too, like little baby warthogs. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, I know, I know. It, uh, and, and of course, uh, a male, if he has to fight another male, um, to win a female, he'll, he'll even grind, he'll grunt while he grinds his teeth. But Chris, the deep dive that I went down this week, uh, one of a couple of them is pig intelligence. Uh, it's so- very smart. Yes. I mean, I'm that's, that's smart. the cliff notes. If you guys want to fast forward mm-hmm. now to the next few minutes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, but I really trying to look at, uh, because of course a lot of my research I've done with horses is looking at horse cognition and how do we prove this and how do we show it? Cause as we talked about even with on the octopus pod before intelligence, the way that us humans think about it is our own narrow niche, right? Just, okay, you know, mm-hmm. can you do math? Can you have a language? Do you have a, a community? Things like that. And I'm not saying that those are bad ways to, um, judge intelligence, but it, there are human ways to do it. And so, but somebody got it right. Um, a famous writer by the name of George Orwell, um, mm-hmm. he's an American writer, wrote, the work of teaching and organizing the others fell naturally upon the pigs, who were generally recognized as being the cleverest of all animals.
0: They're smart. They are very smart.
1: Yep. They are very smart. And then the their eyes, I mean, I know their eyesight isn't brilliant, but just they almost have like a human eye, um, at least domestic pigs, um, uh, as far as when you just look into their eyes, they're just really, really intriguing. But looking into their cognition, I, I, it was somewhat similar, um, or I was surprised to find there's probably actually more done with horse cognition, which is still not very much. But I was able to find an article from 2010 in Current Biology, which is a really, really good journal. It's uh, like a sister to Cell. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, where Mendel and company explored uh, pig cognition in general, and it was it was kind of just a, a quick review. Um, but the biggest thing to note is not a lot has been done, and so the authors mm-hmm. talk about that is there's just still so much we don't know about how smart they are but we do know that pigs can definitely discriminate between individuals um, of pigs and individual humans and they'll do this for a food reward their memories that have been tested they, they haven't done any really long-term testings and of course these are on domestic pigs not mm-hmm. Uh they haven't really done any long-term testing but they know that they do have a good short-term memory of at least you know a couple weeks six weeks things up and so forth from the memory studies that they've done. But the authors claim that there's nothing really that's been done long term. And they had did the mirror self recognition test, which of course elephants pass and mar- some marine mammals and uh, parrots, some parrots and things like that. Uh, and the pig like kind of passed it where. It definitely, they're not sure if it recognized, they don't, they won't say that it recognized itself, but it was like looking behind the mirror and acknowledging Mm -hmm. obviously the reflection and knew like that the reflection wasn't like another pig, if you will.
0: Right. right. So
1: it was kind of like trying to figure it out. But once again, there's just not enough data to really have it fall into the yes or no of the self-recognization of the mirror. But once again, that's our human projection on what we think self recognition is, right? Um, but what I found was this cool story. Put your seatbelt on. Okay. So okay, okay. piggies can be amazingly deceptive. So what they did is they trained pigs to go into an arena and the pig would forage, right? Pigs are super food motivated. They love food. Who doesn't? And it would find the location of the food. And so on the first day of the the trial, the pig would forage and find the food in a certain location. On the second day of the trial, this informed pig, so the informed one that knew where the food was, is reinduced to the arena with a friend, okay, the novel pig, who Mm -hmm. doesn't know where the food is, right? He hasn't been in the arena Mm -hmm. at all. Well, what ends up happening is the new pig had understands very quickly that the other pig is informed where the food is. So it'll follow it and try to like beat him to the food. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Right. So the informed pig figures that out and is like, Oh no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. So the informed pig starts kind of bluffing and, or won't go into the arena unless the, new pig is like not looking and won't follow him in. (laughs) And if he does follow him in, he'll like not necessarily go to the food or, you know, like basically try to trick the pig that was tricking him.
0: Oh gosh. That's so funny. So Uh, I mean some
1: really like cognitive thoughtful under, so a lot of, so one of the things that researchers that study cognition and measure cognition is this thing called episodic memory. And that's remembering what happens where and when. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. love to think that us humans are some of the only animals that can do that. And so this is proof in the pudding that it's not necessarily the case. And and also studies with mini pigs. So those are pigs that people have as pet with miniature pigs. Mini pigs can definitely remember what object was encountered where. Mm-hmm. And... Researchers think that that's at least a glimpse of this episodic memory, which is once right. again considered to be like you know he, what makes us humans so darn special.
0: I knew the behavior was going to be good.
1: Yes, and once and now, yeah. oh, so. By the way, I didn't couldn't find anything about warthogs specifically as far as their intelligence, but it's their cousin. I'm sure it's somewhat similar. It cares, some of it carries yes.
0: over. Yeah, yeah, carries over.
1: And so, like you said, they're related to like. Dolph whales and dolphins. Yeah, I know. Granted, that they're was like millions smart, and so. millions of years ago, but still.
0: Yeah, they split. Yeah, their brains still grew. So, how do they breed? What's the repro look like? Because you always see the pictures of the females with all the piglets and running around. So cute.
1: Well, they are super cute. And so they're seasonal breeders. Um, And so they usually give birth only one time a year. And the rutting or the seasonality is going to begin late in the rainy or early in the dry season. Interestingly enough, warthogs have the longest gestation of all pigs. So oh, okay. mm, it lasts so, 170 to 175 days. So how many months is that? Mm-hmm. Like uh f- uh five. Yeah, five six. to six, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. and so yeah. I mean I I didn't know. <laughs> it wasn't a quiz. I was just, <laughs> like, just like
0: I did do quick uh, math. <laughs>
1: but no, but it makes sense because so they begin courting at the, the end of the rainy season, the start of the dry season, to make sure that those cute little piglets are born in the rainy, like when the grass is green back into the rainy season, during the rainy season. And so a fun little fact too about warthogs is they have a polygyny andry system. Okay. And that just means that both males and females may have multiple partners during a breeding season. So go girl. And so Chris, another behavior that's uh, been reported that I found super fascinating is although the sow typically she'll, she'll isolate herself during the birthing process. But if there's other sows that have been part of her sounding or part of her family and they're closely related, they can nurse her young. And this behavior, it's called aloe suckling. And so it makes them cooperative breeders. And the aloe suckling is, in some species, it's known as like milk theft or like, you know, trying to get your baby to grow faster, quicker. But in warthogs, researchers think it's a sign of kin or related, okay, it's got to be related female, altruism. So like two sisters or cousin, female cousins helping each other out. So pretty cool stuff. Um, uh, and then the warhawk piglets will be weaned at about 21 weeks of age. And the males will stay with their mothers until they're about two years of age and then they'll be chased off because they become sexually mature. But that's if they survive. So unfortunately, like you kind of mentioned the, earlier in the podcast, it, right, yeah, it's right. about 50%. A survival rate to the first year of life. So, you know. It's tough. I mean, it's a
0: harsh, harsh environment. I mean, harsh, a lot of predators. Yeah.
1: And it kind of made me laugh too, though, that, um, the mama warthog pig, you know, if she does give, if she does have a litter every year that she will sometimes have to chase off her younger, Teenage kids like get out of the burrow. Get out. I haven't, you know, I have another group, you know, I I have these newborns coming Mm -hmm. in. And so the circle of life, right?
0: I know. I know.
1: So even though she may have to kick her teenagers out or she'll kick the male out definitely by the time he's two. Um, the males aren't really going to be sexually mature until they're about four. And that's why they might spend some time in like a bachelor warthog okay. group um, group yeah. in general. So, and and it's similar age for the females, but yeah, if they're annoying her when she's got her next litter due. She's like, you out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Make room, mm-hmm. make room. Well, you talk about that, Angie, the, like we, we opened up the least concern with the common warthog and the desert mm-hmm. warthog. Uh, But their population is decreasing, and there's only about twenty-two thousand of the common warthog.
1: Right,
0: that's not many. I mean, it's not a lot. They cover a lot lot. of
1: territory in Africa. Oh, huge
0: territory. Yeah, so it's not a ton, and so you got to keep our 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 eyes to it. Desert warthog. They didn't have a population on it, but I can't believe believe it's much more than maybe a couple thousand. I mean, they're they're in such a small corner of Africa. Are
1: they? They're listed as
0: least Concerned too. Okay. but it's probably not a lot of data and a lot of this. And I think we're running into this with IUCN so many species and they just don't have the resources to cover them. And, and it's like, you look at a population of 22,000 and they're decreasing, but they're not, you know, on the endangered list because there's so many other animals that are
1: in, right. in dire need, Right. you know? Right. So
0: it's, it's not like, Oh, they're just doing great. I mean, they're, they're fine. They don't see any major problems right now, but you know, with this just decreasing habitat, we got to really keep our eyes to it. So who's out there fighting for warthogs or Africa, yeah.
1: animals in Africa? Well, one yeah. of, uh, one of my favorites, um, African wildlife foundation, they can be found at awf.org and we'll, we'll put them on our show notes, but they, as Chris mentioned, recognize that 22,000 is not enough warthogs. Then especially for this area that they, Cover. And so, and according to their website, they're considering them least threatened. So I don't know if that's different mm-hmm. than least concerned. But, anyways, uh, the African Wildlife Foundation has come up with solutions to protect warthogs. And so, number one, first and foremost, is to create more protected spaces. So they work with governments and local communities to designate wildlife corridors and large areas of land. That the warthogs can run roam from one park or one country to another. So these corridors are huge, and and uh, I learned a lot, a little bit more about this when I was in uh, Kruger about how some of the corridors to some of the other wildlife parks that are attached mm, to them, mm, and so mm, those are huge. And mm. so, and secondly, the African Wildlife Foundation is working with educating local communities and conservation. So these rural communities that have to live in close proximity to wildlife can sometimes have conflict with them. And so Mm -hmm. by helping educate local communities about how to perform conservation and how, what to do if there is an animal in your neighborhood and you're having an issue with it. Um, so they teach school children. And then of course also work with the local adults and the elders in the community as well. Mm-hmm. And so they basically, their ultimate goal in general and is to just basically foster a culture of con- conservation locally right. there Good. on the ground. So African wildlife mm-hmm. foundation, of course they have several species they protect. The warthog is one of them. So thank you for all you do.
0: Good. Good. Well, that kind of rolls into what Pumba means. Oh. It's kind of funny. Okay, so Pumba doesn't mean warthog okay. in Swahili. Okay. It it actually means to be absent minded, careless, foolish, ignorant, lazy, stupid, and negligent. What? So Tanzanians and Kenyans call warthogs, they describe them as Pumba. Because Not because of the Lion King, but because when they do come through these villages or interact, they just create havoc. I mean, they just tear up the gardens, the village. They just make a mess of everything. So they call them Pumbaa to yell at them because they're just destroying the village. So so there you go, Seth Rogen. That's what it means. I'm sure he knew that, but... You know, well,
1: I think love I love an animal. I mean, I that's I love the history behind that, but I think we learned the opposite yeah. today that they are
0: Oh, they're very smart. I mean, they can yeah, run they're, they're, first of
1: all, they're not lazy uh they are sprinting out of their burrow they're getting their their morning mile in before i've even have my cup of coffee and they're super smart they're super smart yeah they're
0: very smart they're amazing the amazing creature so you know meerkats and warthogs back-to-back week hope you enjoyed the interview with mike veal again global conservation force check them out please they are just amazing and we've got some great stuff coming. I mean, some great stuff coming. Yeah.
1: Thank you for listening and having fun. There was a lot of laughs. I'm glad we got our our first uh, species of pigs under the book, and okay. hopefully, uh, eighteen to go. I to
0: say, <laughs> 18, 18, eighteen left. To
1: go. Man, job security, buddy. That's what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. No, there you go. All right. Take care. Listen, learn, share, join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.